and welcome to Applied Anime. I'm Dodo Ballet. And I'm Fayon. Join us as we jump in the deep end and dissect our favorite shows. So Fayon, what are we doing in Applied Anime? In Applied Anime, we're most interested in unpacking the lessons that arise from anime as a form. What can we learn from it? How it affects our worldview? And how it changes our perspective? We're analyzing the power of narrative in understanding human experiences. Our episodes will focus on analyzing particular themes and ideas rather than a single anime, although there will be some exceptions. So in terms of what we're not doing with this podcast, we are not reviewers or critics, although we will inevitably end up reviewing and critiquing at some point. That's just not the main focus of what we're doing. We're also not experts on Japanese culture or animation or anything like that, so don't expect any industry insights or technical critiques. We only talk about the anime that we know have watched for the podcast, of course, so we're going to miss plenty of anime that are relevant to what we're talking about, but simply haven't seen. So, if we miss an anime or there's a theme or anything else you want us to talk about, we want to hear your thoughts. Tweet at us or send us a message. Of course, our podcast is hosted on anchor.fm slash applied anime. You can find us on our website at appliedanime.weebly.com. And from our website, you can join our Discord um, on the homepage or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash applied anime. It's time for our spoiler alert! In today's episode of Applied Anime, we are going to spoil Scum's Wish, also known as Kuzuno Honkai, Happy Sugar Life, Violet Evergarden, Toradora, Lovely Complex, and Orange. And we have a content warning for sexual assault sexual violence, domestic violence, suicide, and murder. So, Fayon, what are we discussing today? Today's topic is, what is love? So you have love as in the kind the passion and excitement you get when you see another person that you really care about, whether it be family love, romantic love, or friendship love. But then you also have the other side of it where you don't it's not always the you know, the good feelings. Like you can see with like different even with different anime traits, like Yandere is like the obsession or I mean, it, I guess it looks, it kind of depends on how you flip it, though. Obsession or passion, the envy and jealousy of watching them be with somebody else, but also trying to find the part of you that would want to care for them to be with somebody else. Or even like, hmm, I can't think of that third one. But. Well, I think it's one thing to note that is that it does kind of elude definition. In a lot of ways, like you're you're giving all these examples of like, here's what love is. Um, and like even just like you're like one aspect of it is like friendship, love and like family love and like romantic love. But those are also like three completely different things, or at least they can be presented in different ways. But even then, like those categories get like messy, too, like like what what's the line between like having a crush on someone and just being their friend 
um, it's really, really difficult to draw those draw those lines. And yeah, we might have different words for those different things, but to just try to encompass it all in love is really difficult to do. Like I was, I I don't know why this comes to mind, but like I was reading some article where they were like kind of defining different forms of like passionate love, like in a scientific way. Uh, I don't know. This is like for a research paper or something. And one of them that I thought was really interesting is like, like game playing love, which is like, what does that mean? But it's like a sense of love or passion that arises from like competition or like playing a game, which Hmm. like I never even thought of like that that could be like a category of love, like that you just don't think of that. But like when you when you like get down to the I don't know, like the brass tacks of it. It's like, yeah, it kind of makes sense. Like you're (laughs) like in the most physical sense, like, oh, your heartbeat's getting up and like you're really intense and like you really want something really bad. You're working towards a certain goal. um, And it's just sort of like it puts you in a lot of times it can put you in this headspace of like you're in this like you're playing by these particular rules. You're doing this particular thing. Well, then if you think about it, though, too, it's it's like that the thought of like passion, you know, like anything that you're really, truly passionate about. I think part of you also that's part of like a love for something Mm -hmm. such as like passion for anime or passion for video games. Like you draw those connections and you just get closer and want to know more about it. Like, I don't know when when I find a show I like. The first thing I do is figure out who's voicing what characters, because if I can draw a connection between one show and another, it's like, not only, I mean, like, your brain goes, Eureka, ha, I knew that voice was from somewhere. But then you just love that person more for having not only this one character, but plays another character. And it's, I don't know, in, at least what I find is hard with, like, I want to make more connections like that, but because there's not as much fanship of like seiyus or like even idols and their backstory backgrounds it's harder to connect with them sometimes besides just through what characters they're playing i I, one thing you said that was really interesting to me was the idea of loving someone more because you hear them in different contexts doing different things so like you hear a certain seiyu you recognize them and so that that kind of like sparks your interest in a particular show um but then from there, that also watching the show then heightens your, I don't know if love is the right word even, but like your enjoyment of that person. Um, it's like this sort of like interplay between like the real person injecting themselves into the character and then the character and like being a part of that person. Which I mean, I mean yeah. I mean, I know we talked about different types, but that kind of... I guess that feels more of like the idolish type of fan love that people have towards like, you know, idols and pop stars and everything like that, where mm-hmm. it's amazing. Like, I mean, there's too many anime about falling in love like this. I, you fall in love with the idol and the idol's not who you think they are. <laughs> but yeah. going in with knowing that they're not exactly who they feel like on TV is what I don't know, knowing that other side of them is the excitement. And when you get to see little sparks of that in them just doing random things and 
like a show or in like a a fan meet or something like that it's that's what really brings them out as a person that makes you fall for them more at least personally yeah and i think hmm, i think there are probably people who would disagree with you on that and that it's like the sort of the facade of the person is what what is most attractive about them like they don't want like the actual human being they want like the 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 again the facade and i don't know like the you think it's the trope of like like gross dudes falling in love with 2d girls because they're like this very polished character that like can embody their weird ideas about about feminine innocence without having like any of the having to deal with like any of the real human sides of them like you never have to see them shit or you know like do anything wrong ever um or if they do then they like then it's like part of like this this narrative journey where they they come back and they're they're redeemed in some way but it kind of makes me think of from happy sugar life the main mm-hmm. girl character um sato which apparently her name means sugar in japanese which i didn't know found that <laughs> out um but like having her friend shoko who like sees her as like this girl who seems to get along with everybody always acts the good girl at work always acts like she'd be friendly and like finds out the secret of her hiding this little girl and later on when sato literally kills shoko in cold blood like doesn't even blink an eye about it like when she knows like her full truth it's when she that's the moment that sato realizes she can't trust her friend because her friend doesn't see her for who she truly is where you have the other side where you have like the teacher character who like likes the side of sato that's cold and murderous and just plain bitter like she treats him horribly but Mm -hmm. i mean he's also weird and crazy in that sense of liking to be abused but like at the end of it all though he still accepts her for who she is or like you have the more pure sense of shiro like the her love interest where she finds like sato tries to hide so hard like that she's murdered the guy in the other room doesn't want shiro to go outside all these different things and when shiro finds out she's like you should tell me all this like you should have told me i want us to be like together and we need to be able to trust each other yeah it's yeah and hmm. that also gets to like the sort of like us against the world mentality which is so like prominent it's like it's like the key factor at least from what i see in, in happy sugar life um where like the the it almost seems like the the primary driver of their like passionate love is like it's because we only have each other um no one else can really understand us um it's not just that when they do understand us they are freaked out or they're 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 turned away it's that like they literally cannot comprehend what we have um so it just expands again that that idea that that love is just sort of this sort of malleable thing 
that's just it's defined not by any like external terms it's at least again in this i'm not saying i agree with this at all but like that it's like from the heart in the most like not literal sense but in the most like um direct sense that like your heart is what defines love and no one else can possibly define it for you like there's no sociological aspects at work whatsoever it's just this very natural thing that happens uh, and so for this i i forget their names but sato and shiro sato and shiro thank you that they have this thing together it's it's like it's basically they're saying we're we're magnets that this is just inevitable and no one can come between us but at the same time we see um, that Sato is spending the entire fucking show making sure that they stay together. Like, there's nothing fateful about it. Like, she's having to work really, really hard, having to murder her friends in order to make this love work in the way that she wants it to work. So it almost seems like it's trying to unravel all of that. Like, it's trying to... The like the the trajectory of the show itself is trying to negate or I guess um, defy her definition of love. It you kind of wonder throughout the show if Shiro, I don't know, at least near the beginning parts, if you wonder if Shiro actually wants to be there for her own accord because it mm-hmm. feels like Sato's just like keeping her there, especially with the whole "don't go outside, don't do this, don't <laughs> do that." Oh yeah. But I mean, Shiro's kind of as the characters keep on referring to her as, like, the moon. Um, she is kind of, like, the entire center, center of this show, though. Like, all the characters have some sort of kind of connection to her, or she's kind of the driving force of everybody wanting to find her or be with her. Mm-hmm. And I just found it interesting, going back to, like, the difference between Sato's love and even, um, I don't know, you, you haven't... I think there's two chapters of the manga I mentioned to you once. Um, they're tra- chapters 28 and 29. Mm-hmm. It, it's the one part in this entire anime that they missed from the manga, pretty much. And it's such an interesting scene where you learn how the mom ends up in the situation of being with Shiro and Asha- Asashi's dad. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And just, like, the parallels between both of them, like, telling her that she needs to stay indoors. And we haven't even touched on, like, the jar thing yet too like they're like everyone's heart in the show looks like it's like a jar right and then the sugar is the filling of all the happiness within their their jar which is kind of their heart in a way yeah um but like it's just it was interesting looking at the parallels because um even in that shiro says that her mom's heart or her mom's jar has shattered whereas when she met sato sato's jar was just empty and Mm -hmm. so i think I think it's funny that Shiro, which also means salt, by the way, um, is the thing filling Sato's jar is like just like salt, but like it's not the sugar that I don't know. It's it was weird. Like, is Sato filling her own jar with the sugar of like her own desires or is she actually like, does it have to be Shiro or did she just need to pick someone or something that was that could fill like that emptiness inside of her? Right. Also, I'm looking at the wiki right now. It's I think her name is Shio instead of Shiro. You're right. It's Shio. That's just a minor, minor thing. My bad. But no, Shiro I didn't. Means 
That's really interesting, though, about the name. I didn't realize the name meant salt. I didn't either. Like, that's really interesting. But that, like, makes a lot of sense, though, too, if you think about it. Like, the, like, Shio, like, what is the, the defining? I mean, maybe I'm, I, it's been a while since I've seen the show. So maybe I am forgetting some things, but I really don't know what's unique or interesting or like appealing about Shio other than that she's this little innocent, supposedly innocent girl. Um, that like her 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 value as an object of desire is like almost exclusively because she's like a vessel. Like like it's it, the <laughs> the whole jar thing of like the jar being the heart. It's almost like no the 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 jar isn't the heart. It's that that Shio is the jar. You're filling yourself into that jar and then saying, oh, look, that jar was my heart the whole time. Like you're using Shio as a vessel, as like a, as, as something to project yourself on or into. So if Sato is sugar, she's filling herself up into this jar and then looking at herself and saying, wow, look how great I am. Or look, look, how, look how sweet this love is. Even though Shio herself is salt, like she's causing all this pain and death for all these people just because um, because they all desire her. <laughs> well, like, what about, think about this way, though. So Sato, we know her parents died. She started living with her aunt. And a lot of, um, a lot of her questioning about what is love came from watching her aunt be with all these different random men constantly and not really understanding, like, what, what exactly, like, what is love where, like, you're going off and just sleeping with these random people, which I think the aunt is also just an interesting character in the sense of being that all-encompassing, accepting love. Like, I think that's what they tried to really imply her as, is someone who accepts anybody for who they are. Oh, yeah. But in, a, like, but in a really weird, twisted way, which was really interesting, too. But going back to Sato, at least, Sato, like, was really young when her aunt took care of her. So I wonder if the innocence of Shiro is part of it, but also maybe that's her kind of saving herself too from back then. Like maybe she's seeing that Shio, sorry, it's not Shiro. Shio is kind of not maybe questioning love, but seems lost in the sense of the world or something like that. And by saving her, Sato fulfills that like that ideal of what she wanted as a child of someone to save her and have those feelings and emotions and figure out what love is. And the funny part is, is like they actually honestly probably have the healthiest of all the relationships in this series. <laughs> what shot Sato and Shio? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they have, they definitely like actually like each other, which is something that doesn't really happen between the other characters. Cause yeah. Kaio, that one, the guy um, who thinks that Shio is an angel, like, that's one-sided. Shio kind of is just like, oh, who are you? Oh, yeah, I can do these little things with you. Asashi is, he desires that sort of relationship, but he still has grown up in that, the abusive family. I think Shoko's innocent feelings towards Asashi are also, those are, like, there's innocent, like, not bad feelings, but at the same time, they've never really fully developed. 
Mm-hmm. But I think out of like all the relationships that we see, like out of all the, I I think they're trying. It's funny that they're trying to portray Sato and Shio's relationship as like the the ideal. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like seeing what else happens in the show, it just it feels so twisted. Like it feels wrong to root for them. Yeah, it, that, I think that's really like kind of where so much of like the the drama of the show comes from is like you know that this is like a weird situation and throughout most of the series or at least much of it you're rooting for for Tayo. Tayo's the brother, right? Asashi? Asashi's the brother. Tayo's the blonde guy. Oh, I'm stupid. Yeah, okay. So Asahi's the brother. So you want to you you kind of want to root for Asahi. You're rooting for him? Yeah. I mean, oh. he's the brother. He's like trying to find her. He's her, he's her brother. It's I'm like biased. Well, well, okay, well, let me let me clarify. I was not rooting for him, but he was definitely portrayed as a good guy mm-hmm. for much of the show. Right? Cuz he's her brother trying to rescue her from this like Stockholm syndrome thing like it or at least he comes across as trying to rescue her um now later in the show and it gets into him like seeing her as an angel and like he's gonna read sorry geez wait then who what does but he's still weird about her too though right well asashi is like oh my god shio if you come back to us you're gonna be our saving grace you're gonna fix our family everything's gonna be right if you join us again like she's the dream that he and his mother have created of this perfect life that they can have together away from the father that's abusive oh, towards yeah. them and towards this horrible life. Tayo likes Shio because she's the innocence of women that he was that he wasn't abused from. Remember he's the one that gets like raped by the manager pretty much and then by yeah. the aunt. Right, yeah. Which is like the twisted version of her love for everybody, even if they don't want it, she's willing to give it. Yeah. But, yeah. Hmm. but yes, Asashi is the one who wants Shiro because, but like, it's funny that you say rescue her because obviously Shio doesn't want to be rescued at the end of the day, but also mm-hmm. Asashi doesn't want to rescue Shio. Shio. Asashi wants to rescue his family. He wants to rescue his mother. Like, she was mm. part of the equation because in their ideal little family life that they've pictured, she's there. And without her there, it's not complete, which is just kind of funny because when the father figure isn't in the picture anymore because he's he dies, but he just can't run off to his mother. Like his mother's distraught because she gave up Shio. And now mm. he's like, oh, no, panic, panic. We can't have this happy life anymore because everything's not as we pictured it. But really, like if he and his mother just went off on their own, like, Shio was happy being with Sato. Yeah. So a lot of this show is I, I don't know, I was thinking about like happy sugar life is is the title and just like how you know, the phrase of like sugarcoating or sugarcoating life. Like all of them are like sugarcoating their own lives to the ideals that they all have and mm-hmm. wanting wanting what they want. Like Sato and Shiro's dream of running off together and just being happy and being in love. Asashi with his family, and then Tayo with him thinking that Shiro will save him someday. And even Shoko with dreaming of the day that she and Sato can become closer friends. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it, yeah, that's a good point. It's, it is almost like Sato and Shio really are just like 
Well, they are. They're doing the most like literal, like we want to be in love or we want to have this love for the sake of having this love. And yeah, they're doing it as an escape. There's no doubt about that. But it's not like they're doing it as a proxy for something else. Or I guess Sato's love for Shio is not a pro- it's not a proxy for something else. It's literally like she wants to love Shio and just to have that love and literally nothing else. Like that's what that's what she wants her life to be. Um and so to have that as the central thing in the show and to like get your audience like really effectively get your audience to root for that is just it's just really mind-blowing in a weird way because like yeah in the con in like the really really twisted context in the story it it kind of makes sense to root for it but then like if you were to explain the show to someone who's never seen it there's no way in hell that they would that they would say oh yeah it makes sense yeah, the, the high school girl should be with the elementary school girl. Like, there's already, like, a lot of problems there. Like, not even, not the, like, the gender thing isn't a problem, but, like, in Japan it would probably be more so. But even just their ages, like, they want to run away at their age right now. She's in high school. The other one's in elementary school. Mm-hmm. Like, their age gap difference. And I don't know. I personally, like, kind of question Shiro's commitment a little bit. Because I guess, I don't know. Maybe I'm misremembering this. But Shiro starts rep- so, like, the big thing between Sato and Shiro, the thing that, like, solidifies their engage or, like, their relationship with each other is them doing that um, marriage ceremony every night, right? Or, like, mm-hmm. constantly. Like, when Sato's not doing it with Shiro, she starts panicking and thinking that Shiro isn't hers anymore, which is an interesting, like, unhealthiness that is between them. Like, you would think that with all the I love yous and, like, all their other little things that they could build like have a solid relationship with just that but like it has to be the marriage ceremony phrases or what like the um till death do a do us part whatever mm-hmm. but i think when i was trying to reread a little bit on it because i haven't seen this show in a bit um shiro starts saying some of it with tayo the blonde haired guy uh-huh. and like you kind of wonder like is is shiro actually not conscious but like i guess consciously like knowing what she's saying to Sato during those moments, like, does she understand what sort of relationship she wants with Sato? Or is it just, again, like the Stockholm syndrome or like Sato's there. Sato is the only person that she's talked to in the last while. Yes, she can like, or maybe it's like the, maybe she wants, like, I know she always, she wants to help her mother. That's what the manga told, told us at least is that when she gets abandoned and sees her, she, like, constantly wants to fix the jar of her mother's heart. And then it shatters and she gets abandoned. And then she finds Sato, who still has her jar full. So does she just... Are they both using each other as... Not as... I guess as escapes, yes, we've already talked about that. But, like, as ways of mending what they couldn't in the past, too? Yeah, and I think that's the that's the driving force of the escape. They wouldn't have to do these like engage in this if they had like like they would just they would they would not have this desperation for love and fulfillment if they weren't trying to escape from something i don't think it's and i think that's important to keep in mind 
too. And maybe that means I have to kind of um, retract what I was saying previously about it just being from the heart explicitly that it's portrayed in that way, but but there are clear external factors that are forcing, not forcing, that are um, pushing these characters to take on these really strict, and like you say, really strict and really ritualistic ideas of love um, to really just make it as simple and literal and concrete as possible so that they know that it's, it's something that is there that they can possess um, that's not going to leave them because if you think of love too abstractly, if you are you know, insecure about someone leaving you, if you're worried that uh, you don't have any sort of material thing in front of you to confirm that it exists, then that's the point where you can be really insecure about it and feel like there's nothing there anymore. To have it, again, exist there in ritual um, and just have it reaffirmed for you over and over again, that's the only way to get away from this past, I guess, is just to, just to continuously reinforce it. Mm. There's also the aspect of, like, pursuit as well in this show where it's like how much and again this comes back to innocence and like um what's the word not not really reconciliation but like redemption i guess of like how much of these characters who are chasing after shio how many of them would actually find fulfillment excuse me would find fulfillment when they actually, if they were to actually like get Shio, like how much of that is her like angelic redemptive figure in their minds? How much, well, I guess we could kind of answer that question because we know it really wouldn't fix their problems. Um, realistically, um, the exception there again is Sato, but again, she still has to, it's almost like she's never fully at the point. She wants to be at the point where she fully possesses Shio, but again, she has to do all this work to constantly keep her. The whole whole show itself is her trying to keep Shio away from all of these external forces. Now, if she didn't have to do that, if she lived in a situation where literally there was nothing to impede their love, you'd have to wonder if it wouldn't have that same, if it wouldn't be love anymore because there's nothing, I guess, to fight for. I mean, if you want to talk, again, talk about that sort of gameplay in love or that competitive love, that seems to be at play here in a weird way. That, like, you can't... That the, um, that the pursuit is kind of what um, sanctifies the love itself. Well, maybe that's why the author had a killer in the end. Just because by... By killing her, almost, because they were going to escape together, right? And then there wouldn't have been a competition. Like, maybe to yeah. keep us from one... Like, I mean, obviously, we all could have just imagined some happy end where they just happily live together off in some other country, whatever. Um, But at the same time, like, there's that sense of wonder. Like, what would have happened if they got away? What, like, what would their life have been if Sato hadn't, like, died? Mm-hmm. There's also the sense of, like, I think it's 
I think it's almost funny that in the end of the series, though, no one really gets Shiro because yeah. Shiro almost becomes Sato in a way. Um, Not only in, like, the mannerism of the last episode, but, like, it's almost like she wants to become Sato so she can be closer her- to her. Like, it's almost like a whole different form of messed up in this series that hasn't even been touched yet yeah. of, like, grief and... Honestly, it would have been interesting to even have like a how is Shiro tearing dealing Shio dealing with the this grief of losing Sato like her everything. Yeah, yeah, it's and I I think that's a good point about the way they ended the series because I really don't think like I really think it only resolves nicely for either of them if it results in death. Of one or the other, because then you can sanctify that memory and say this is this is the completion of this idea of happy sugar life. Like happy sugar life has to be this thing that is static in a way. It can't change because it is what it is and it's perfect. And if it's perfect, it can't change and be less perfect because then it's not happy sugar life. Because it's a memory that you can continuously think about and change to what you thought it was, which makes it, which can then make it more perfect exactly so it has to only exist in your mind ultimately like you can have that that source material of the memories of doing it of like maintaining it and doing these stupid rituals to make it feel real but once you get through that and and (laughs) and and sato dies then that's perfect then you can sew it all together and just make it whatever you want in your head even you can forget all the, the bad parts. At least in like this show, they just depict it this way. But like, not not always is the death of a character like the final moments solidifying for the other character that's lost their loved one. Like if you look at, for example, Violet Evergarden, the entire show is wrapped around Violet trying to figure out what exactly Gilbert, the guy who took her in, meant to her when he says like the last words to her are I love you and like maybe if they had I don't know had some maybe if he had said it I don't even think if he had said it sooner would she have like had this kind of solidifying perfection of what they were like they would in Happy Sugar Life but like I think I don't know like normally at least to me normally when when you've lost someone or experienced grief in some way there's always those what ifs what if this could have happened what if like, what did they mean by this? But now you can't ask them anymore. Whether it, they have left you in their life or, like, have died. Like, the entire plot of Violet Evergarden focuses around her trying to understand what Gilbert's told her. But, like, the entire... Or, like, the the griefing, the grieving of it is completely different, which is also just another... I don't know. It's, like, obviously a different type of, like, love in a way, but... It's interesting mm-hmm. how it can be completely depicted in a different light. So the, the way that, just to clarify the way that you're framing it, it almost sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you're almost kind of putting up, putting them up as, as opposite iterations. So in Happy Sugar Life, you have um, love that is trying and failing to be perfect in actuality. And like the actual, um, I don't know, the action of love, which by the way, um, uh, I just saw a quote um, from Bell Hooks, who was wonderful, by the way, 
um uh the the quote being that love is not a like a i think she said the love is not an emotion or something it the point is that love is action it's not just like a a, a stagnant thing um so this this love materially that's being acted out in happy sugar life um the shio takes that when uh, sato dies she's able to take that and abstract it turn it into this thing that is not action that is just this this idealized abstracted nothing in her head other than just these like memories conglomerated together and for her that's the ideal that's perfect she she's won she's found love um even in this like shitty tragic sense where it's like again the the only only way that you can find this type of love is in basically by kidding yourself in your own memories um violet evergarden is the opposite because violet does not have that material experience of love whatsoever in her in her mind she has no memory of it so but she does um her she does the the My gem the gem he buys her that's literally the memory she goes back to almost every single episode he re she remembers gilbert do you remember the gem i don't really remember the gem there's a scene in violet evergarden where they're walking down the street in in the markets and she stops and he looks back at her and notices that she's looking at this like bright green looking gem and he's like do you want that and i'm pretty sure she just says it looks like your eyes or something like that but that's like the moment she replays constantly because I think that is the that is the material moment that she got love from him. Not like there weren't other little things, but I think that was the biggest way he really showed affection towards her, which is why they show that over and over again mm -hmm. in that show. So no, I do, I don't I don't think that she's never experienced material love, but I don't think that she got. I don't think she understood what it was at the time. And so because of not understanding what it was at the time, having to relive it without him and being able to ask him and having all these questions, I think is what really is saddening or like the what ifs. Like it's funny, I think, because both in both shows, there's a really abrupt death scene for both like for Sato or Gilbert, mm -hmm. but they take such different tracks of how they react to the, the incident, right? Like, Violet doesn't want to move on. She wants to stay in the constant and like wait for him, for him to come back. And then you have mm -hmm. um, Shio, who's like, I have Sato. She's with me. She's always with me. But Shio was constantly like knew that she was loved, where Violet didn't understand it till the last moment. So she was left with that question of, what do you mean? And I, even the audience, I think, is supposed to question like wait, what type of love is that? I mean, I personally think it was more of a father-daughter love since, like, he raised her as a child until right. she was older. But I know that other people think that, like, either he's in love with her or even Violet is in love with Gilbert. And I don't think, I don't disagree that, I don't think there's not love there. But I don't think it's the same, I don't think it's romantic love. Yeah. And so the the material experience of love then is something that she desires again that's why she wants him to come back right so that's how it's different from the because she wants to see him again 
Right. So she wants that that love to be in action with him. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't. The memory for her isn't enough. Yeah. Which I guess is how we would usually think of love. Which I yeah. guess is what makes Happy Sugar Life so disconcerting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're still talking about Shiro being the jar to... I mean, Chio being the jar to Sato, at the end of the day, she's still the jar for Sato because Sato lives within her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, that's true. But yeah, in other scenarios, I think that like if you're... If a character's died, there's a sense of wanting to be with them again, whether that means like just being able to talk or like actually being with them day to day. Because technically, I think Gilbert was the first experience of love she truly had, and going from that, like, um, I think that first loves are always going to be a little bit more special to people than like even your third or fourth. Well, yeah, and I think that like makes it the the sort of first love thing it's like really easy to make it seem to to build it up as a really magical thing. Like it's hard not to, I would say. Um, so for just because it's a totally new experience and also because like people are raised to believe that with shows like Violet Evergarden, where like if you're like a teenager and you watch this stuff, but like really watch any like sort of, media about love you're gonna watch it and think oh love is this magical thing it just comes straight from the heart and it just clicks and that's why people get married and and Mm -hmm. it's just normal that's just life yeah Um, this entire show like compared to happy sugar life where it really kind of shows you a little bit more of like love being like obsessive and can be nasty compared to like violet evergarden where everything's like fantasy happy like you write letters to people when you open up your feelings Mm. you have happiness like at least you're conveying your emotions towards the other person and i think the only negative love that we really saw was um when iris went home to her family and they tried to get her engaged to this guy and she had already confessed apparently to him and that's why she ran away to go be a doll Mm-hmm. Like that's the only true rejection we see besides like people losing other family members such as the loss of Gilbert or the or Oscar the playwright losing his daughter daughter Olivia or even like Anne losing her mother or even in a sense um what's his name Aiden not Aiden well kind of Aiden you have Aiden, who's the soldier who dies, who never is actually able to tell his family and childhood friend that he loves her, mm-hmm. or Leon with his one-sided love kind of towards Violet. Like, all those situations, like, no matter how hard they are, they still showed, like, the, oh, darn, I got hurt, but not, like, the nitty-gritty of what I feel like people, like, if you've really loved, there's definitely a darker side that comes out of you. Like what? The, the darker side. Is it murdering your friends? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, that might be a little extreme. Um, I don't know, it's like some of those, you can almost say scummy emotions. Mm. Such as, like, the jealousy of seeing them with another person, or knowing that they're, like, either being with that person first, and you guys break up, and seeing them move on. There's a sense of jealousy there of wanting to, like, know what they're doing, being with them, being the person that's with them. Or the obsession of wanting... That person either all to yourself, which is kind of also jealousy. They're kind of hand in hand, but also like 
just wanting maybe even the obsession of knowing who they are no feeling like you know them as a different as somebody else who others don't know the control of having somebody or the sorry being able to control people or mm-hmm. like the even like i know that um in school they i feel like i know that sex has been kind of like a less negative kind of term like it's it's funny that everyone tries to depict sex as like this a ima- this magical oops sorry this magical wondrous thing but at the same time like the cravings of lust aren't those aren't always great like if the other person doesn't want you what do you do with those feelings you masturbate i mean that okay not everyone does <laughs> yeah, but sure. like it doesn't even have to be sex though like yes there's the lust of sex but also the even the lust of love of wanting to be that person that's with that other with with the person that you desire but they don't want you back right which as i mentioned before scummy feelings is a perfect example of the show scum's wish good segue haha ha, i'm really bad at those um but i don't know i was thinking about i've i've always thought of scum's wish a lot with romances because i think that it's it's a very different show when it comes to what exactly love and the emotions behind love are because they don't just show you like the the happiness that you find with being another person of being accepted and all that stuff mm-hmm. but not only does it like oh no i got rejected cry cry in my room maybe eat a bunch of sweets or something it's it shows like the deeper emotions and thoughts that people actually have when they have been rejected and they have to like put their love somewhere like love doesn't just disappear when you get rejected like you still have those emotions you still have all those feelings and this show it makes you feel kind of bad about it but you can relate because you know that you've had kind of those feelings before too if you've ever been like rejected or have experienced like a negative sort of love and it's just it's so different from all other media in that sort of way which is why i think a lot of people give it a lot of crap because they only see what's on the surface which is yes all those negative feelings but when you think of it like when you can actually relate to it on that level of not getting the love that you want and not knowing exactly where to put these feelings then it it really calls to you because everyone's kind of been that scum in the relationship sort of thing like people use other people maybe not intentionally you could be the nicest person in the world and you might have used someone in your life. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's okay, but it's good to recognize what you're doing. Well, I think what makes part of what makes Scum's Wish so unique in particular with that is in other anime, it's it's like, at least the ones that I've seen, is like, if, kind of what you were saying, if you don't, if you're rejected by someone you love, then you're not going to look for alternatives actively at least like like um things might happen organically like you might run into someone or like you might become closer with one of your friends and oh maybe you'll fall for them instead and realize they were the one for you all along um but i have not seen an anime where these care like the premise is is based on these characters acknowledging that they 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 do have 
like an idea of of love um and yet they're intentionally doing something to fill that hole that would ordinarily be frowned down frowned upon from an anime character doing like you wouldn't like like a friends with benefits anime like you when you think of that like that could only ever work as um that could only either work either work as like a comedy or as like okay they're definitely gonna fall in love with each other like no doubt like they're not allowed to have sex with anyone else certainly not um uh, they are only allowed to do things with themselves like between themselves and um or if they try they might try with other people and realize they don't like it why because they were in love with each other the whole time oh there you go scum's wish like does not follow those rules of of innocence or, or purity whatsoever it's it's really like unapologetically cynical and in that way i think it like moves the needle in a really important direction for anime that it doesn't that it just rejects the terms of of innocence and, and purity entirely i think it um, almost even more than just anime though like all media i think all media could be more realistic like this though not just stopping at anime yeah i guess it's just more streamlined in anime than in other forms i don't know about streamlined there's plenty of like you could watch almost any freaking um hallmark movie and cliche moment where the girl's in love with the like some guy but then the best friend shows up and then suddenly she realizes that she had fr- feelings for the best friend all along like that's so cliche and every single like most animes too like i'm not trying to hate on it on the on this like trope either like obviously i i love toradora i like lovely complex those are two different shows that are very based upon oh we're in love with other people haha actually we're in love with like the other main character surprise but i think at least with scum's wish it's so they they play it in a way that you can tell like yes hanabi and mugi are getting closer but they're not getting closer as friends like they never really have a true conversation of them becoming closer due to like interests or having moments like yeah they all they do like for the first few episodes even before they start, like, quote-unquote dating, well, not even quote-unquote, because they are dating, they are actually dating each other, is they sit on a balcony, and they both look at the person that they're in love with, and they're like, how do you like that person? Like, obviously, Mm -hmm. my Onichan is, like, not... It's totally in love with her for the wrong reasons. Like, she's totally a diabolical woman, and um, she does not deserve his love. Like, that's their conversations on the rooftop. And then it transitions to like pretend I'm your like pretend I'm your Onichan to them doing things like it's never like yeah at the end of the day later on they have moments where they realize I think like I think one of the quotes was like there was a moment I realized that I was actually like kissing Mugi instead of focusing on kissing Onichan instead as like a replacement Mm -hmm. but even then Mugi becomes then a I guess he's less of a replacement but he's like still a replacement in a way because it's not like she's putting all the sincere feelings that she had towards the um what's his name anyway? Uh, the teacher. Yeah, hold on. Narumi. Narumi? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Narumi. Like she never has all the same emotions she has towards Narumi towards Mugi. Mm-hmm. And like 
the like I think it's kind of like they come down to having to have so much sex or like so much intimate relation with each other as a way of not having to talk to each other either like and realizing how many differences they have that's true they um they operate on a on a very sort of specific wavelength um that works for them i think on like i think it genuinely works for them where it's it's again it's based in cynicism and and kind of this um and I do, I, I, I do think they get along well in a ve- just in a very particular way, that they can kind of. Um, and they bond off the fact they're both in one-sided relation, like one-sided love interests. Mm-hmm. So there's always sort of this, <laughs> for lack of a better term, this sort of uh, social romantic lubricant between them, mm-hmm. where they can kind of keep each other keep things at this sort of, um, again, cynical distance um, and, and always kind of play up that they're unhappy with each other um, uh, and be very direct in that way. Like, I want this from you. Um, and I know that I am being used and you're being used. And since we're on the same page, then it's fine. Um, they do this this it's just it's constant in this series where a character will just like they'll like look to the side with like their their eyelids like half hooded and it's just like this this like such like a defeated look of like i'm i'm kind of zoned out and thinking about how i wish my life was better and i'm just stuck with this shit um but you know cynicism i think is a great way to 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 bind people together in a way like i think it's like a like a gen z thing especially um you know you you like know like oh you know the the world's really not going to be the same as it is now ever again and you know climate change is is actually just gonna destroy the world as we know it and in in some sense of the world in the word um and so you can never have you know a really honest in-depth conversation about the world without having that kind of rattling around in the back of your mind and i don't know i just like i'm i'm applying that here to to their sense of of love specifically that again they have this idea of love it's not that they're that they're cynical about the concept of love itself and 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 maybe they should be um, but at least Hanabi is very, very bright-eyed about it. Um, but it's it's also like she's she's firm in her love, but she's saying I'm not getting it. And then that kind of like sends her down this this at least in her mind it's a spiral of acting like a of acting scummy, which is really just like kind of spreading herself out in different ways. Maybe not the best phrasing there um but you know like emotionally i i do think it's emotionally too and not just sexually that she's finding a sense of belonging and companionship in different people um which i think is is not an unhealthy thing necessarily like it's it's portrayed as like sinful um at least in in hanabi's head 
but um, in a lot of ways, I think it's it's a healthy thing to do as long as you're not as long as you're honest with people and you're not um, using them. But I mean, in this case, uh, that is what she's doing um, in some cases. So it's it's definitely. I'm not to say that that Hanabi is is a is a perfect crusader against the scourge of monogamy, but it's just that. Um, I, I don't, I don't know if the series, I'm really, <laughs> I've not been sticking to any particular thing here. I'm just kind of going, um, I don't know if the series actually critiques monogamy the way that Hanabi's actions seem to, I guess is the most succinct way I can put that. No, I don't think so. But I do like the point that you made of kind of her spreading in a sense, her love around, maybe even, like, I mean, the lust part, but also, like, the emotional part. Because I think, I mean, in any depiction of when you're broken up with someone or hurt by somebody in some way, the first thing, at least personally, that I do is I want to, like, talk to somebody about it Mm -hmm. and, like, kind of find that love in another way, like friendship or even some people trust their families. And so... I think, like you said, she's spreading it in different ways and just not... There's definitely healthy ways, like, you know, binging ice cream. And, like, like my friends use, my friend and I used to have a bitch and binge night where we'll just, like, eat a bunch of junk food, binge a show, but also, like, talk crap about whomever it had happened <laughs> to be that night. But, like, that's obviously a healthier way than using your only friend as a sleeping companion also on top of the other guy you met who is also in a single-sided relationship mm-hmm. specifically talking about sanane um wait Sa- sane no wait. sanae sane sanae echan echan oh you're right time echan echan um but she definitely i think it's kind of interesting though too not only does because she kind of has those feelings, right? But then when you realize how, like, twisted the teacher is, because she's her own, like, bag of worms, mm-hmm. um, she, like, wants Hanabi to turn into what she is, which is a person who, like, thrives off of being loved by other people, almost. Or I think, I think the most excitement she got was when she took somebody... When she took somebody from... Somebody else, like, took a love interest of somebody else and claimed it as her own is -hmm. when she felt most alive. And so the fact that she like kind of wants to turn Hanabi into this, I don't know if you, I guess in a way it seems like she's a monster, but I guess to her, it'd be more like into a norm or like into her own romantic ideas of what love should be. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's interesting because like that would that would then essentially be Hanabi's outlet for her love for the Onichan character or like for Narumi, Narumi. He's literally like the least talked about character this entire show. It's true. It's very true. He's probably the most like the least interesting character, but he's like he feels like he'd be the least interesting character, but he's also like secretly an interesting character too. But it's just not I feel like he's just not depicted as much because he's not that He's not. He doesn't depict the, I guess, more negative sides of love, because mm-hmm. he's just like, he's almost like a weird, similar version of the aunt, where he just like, 
loves unconditionally. Whoa, that's quite a comparison I was not expecting. <laughs> I mean, the aunt from Happy Sugar Life. From, yeah, 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 from Happy Sugar Life. Sorry, I just wanted to clarify that. <laughs> but um, just in the sense of, like, he is with Akane, the teacher, yeah, the music teacher, um, and he know like she tells him, "I'm gonna cheat on you. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna like do all these things that will like emotionally hurt any person." And he's like, "Okay, go do that. Go be yourself. I'm not the one wanting to stop you. I want mm -hmm. you to be whoever you are, and I will love you no matter what." Mm -hmm. And like, it's so interesting because like in any other way, shape, or form, it'd feel like he, like I mean. Not not only is he showing all the different signs of like good love, like trust and I I don't know, like what are loyalty loyalty? He's showing loyalty at least. Um and like passion, but at the same time it's it's hollow from him. Because at least how we've seen it this entire show, he's been tricked into her lustful foxy ways. Like he the only thing that really made him interested in her is that she had long hair like his mother. Yeah. But, and then yeah. he just, like, fell for her. And, like, so only because she has long hair like his mother is she, he, like, completely head over heels for this woman. And maybe it's because, in a way, she replaces her, his mother, because yeah. his mother died early. And so, like, this is a way of, like, hey, maybe if you, had, like, I would have done, any like, maybe when he was a kid, he was like, I would have done anything if my mother could have stayed alive. And mm -hmm. so now, he's in this weird phase where he's like i would do anything for you as long as you're happy because i just want to see you happy but like at the same time it's such a shallow love in the sense of him not really showing any other interest towards her besides her having long hair that's a really good point about that character because he's really like if you watch if you just watch through the show you you're you might be tempted to think of him as the only quote again heavy heavy air quotes on this of the only quote normal person or at least like wholesome lover i guess um but it's that's a really important thing to bring up about this series is that he really as this as this prototypical monogamist that just is like happy go lucky um, I just wanna, I just wanna make this this woman happy. Has no real, besides his mom dying, he has no real other baggage. I'm not saying that that's not baggage, but like, obviously it is. Um, but like, the, his presentation, we'll say, of that baggage is comes across as very um, uh, acceptable hegemonically acceptable like he's a good guy he just wants to make a a single woman happy he doesn't want to sleep around he doesn't want to blah 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 exploit people um but really his love his sense of like attachment and affection and 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 desire is is really just as bad as as everyone else's in this series if not worse because it's so sublimated and it and is so normalized like that the 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 idea of of um of a man a a a uh, deceptively well-adjusted man looking for 
a replacement mother figure is just so common. Like that's like, like it's a like very Freudian thing um, that like men want a mom to take care of them, um, except they want a mom that they can have sex with also. Um, I think it's maybe that's a, a solid critique of the show is that it could do more to more explicitly critique Narumi and the way that he operates in comparison to someone like Hanabi who is just constantly riddled with guilt and constantly you see those like black ink splotches come over and like the transition screens or like after she thinks something like she's dealing with her childhood self who's like constantly shaming her like she constantly has to deal with that as a young woman whereas um Whereas the the man that she has a crush on, he never has to deal with any of that shit. It's just like it's totally normal. Like I just want a replacement for my mom, and that's that's it. And no real no real problems there. Well, you also um, have to kind of like I think it's interesting if you think about like let's say Akane wasn't who she was. In a way, Narmi almost traps her too. Like she acts very different with him than she does with all other males but like she's also surprised by him and not like i guess seeing her constantly as a sexual being in front of him like a lot of other guys do like yeah she'll give his, her advances but she's very under the thought that like under the idea that he doesn't want like anything to do with her but then right when they're about to have like that like they go to the bar she gets drunk She's kind of like, oh, I'm I'm kind of over this dude. Like, he's boring. There's nothing interesting about him. And right there, after she, like, c- falls down, he catches her and he calls her Hanabi. Like, <laughs> what if he planned that? What if he knew all along that she was interested in guys that like other girls, like, or guys that belong to other girls? Yeah. Like, what if he's just a trap this entire time? And we're all looking at Akane like she's weird, but really... Narumi's the one who's fucking trapping her into a marriage and like Oof. with all the open-ended promises of like I won't hate you if you do this I won't do I won't care if you do this because at the end of the day he knows she'll come back right that's diabolical it is I don't I don't know if fully if that's the thing but the way that it plays like I don't know he I think maybe not even in that dark of a light for him I still feel like he somehow either knowingly or doesn't doesn't really know kind of traps her though still not in like the trap of marriage in a se- like kind of traps her in the sense of marriage but not really where like it's almost so open that she becomes to feel so comfortable with it that she stays and like they have a kid or whatever together or like she goes out and eats with like these other guys but at the end of the night she's still coming back home to him because there's something different about him and she doesn't want to be like maybe just a sex object. Like maybe she's succumbing to like the feminine ideal of wanting like a man to take care of her or like Mm -hmm. something like that. Like maybe like not knowingly she said it, but like maybe part of her's like, I kind of like this settling down idea. Like, like well, she tells Moogie like, yeah, I'm going to try this marriage thing and see how it turns out. Yeah. But, like, maybe part of her also wants to. Like, not only for, like, the whole... That makes me even more, like, 
desirable, probably, because, you know, now she'll be someone, someone's wife, which is a whole other trope of men mm-hmm. liking that. But, I don't know, when you think about it like that, it makes Narumi such a more interesting character. It really does, yeah. And I, I also, I, I wonder if it's a matter, the, the fact that he's, he's banking on that, if, it's, if he's banking on that as a matter simply of convenience for her that it in and again in a monogamous society it's just simply materially it's most convenient for you to depend on a single patriarch um the uh dealing with other men is not does not provide a sense of stability unless you know what you're doing um it's and it can be dangerous um as as she knows, um, that yes, obvious. I'm and I'm not saying that like polygamy is dangerous. Not not at all. It's but that's not exactly what she's doing. I don't. I would not call her a polygamist. I would call her. Um, she's not trying to keep people in her circle necessarily as as a as a um, uh, as continued emotional or even sexual support. She's she's. She's really has like this sort of Nietzschean like will to power thing where she wants to uh, use people kind of for the sake of using them. Um, it seems like Narumi is almost banking on her burning out in a society that does not, that is so steeped in patriarchal monogamy that he's saying, I know you're going to sleep around, you're going to go with other guys, whatever. I don't care, but I know, be I I know that it's simply it's most convenient for you to stay with me, in the long run. That just just being there and being able to do that's the other important thing. Being able to do what almost no other guy would do, which is say I don't care if you sleep with people. It's be it's because he's it's it's almost like he's playing the long con of possession specifically. He's saying I don't possess you. Uh, at all i have i i i'm not going to give in to any any jealousy or any insecurity that i have um uh for and if again if we're choosing to read him this way for the express purpose of ultimately being able to have that possession um which again i think speaks to his own insecurity of needing to replace his mother um, he's able to build up this sort of fairy tale in his mind of, I don't know, like <laughs> turning the bad girl good or something like in, in this sort of, uh, inversion of, of the girl, good girl turning the bad guy good. Um, he's able to do that with her and then ultimately get this possession over her. Um, again, in, in terms of, of her basically getting tired of, of her of her lifestyle if she's able to find someone who is just so unconditional um in his love that eventually she doesn't need to to exercise this will to power anymore um and we we see that at the very end with like she's showing like a clear like <laughs> sort of classical anime signs of like being in love with him um which i guess is also something that was a little disappointing for me about the ending 
is like I want her to to not I want her to resist the sort of the siren call of 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 his long con I guess um and maybe like like even if she she's no longer has to um uh exploit people to get off and feel good about herself maybe she still could come to the realization that monogamy still does not work for her and that she still needs to kind of spread herself thin mm-hmm. with other people maybe in a more healthy way um where she's not exploiting people and she's honest with people like maybe that could be her true happy ending instead of oh i just love this guy and that's it well i mean like even in the decor which is like the extra scenes in the manga that are on crunchyroll that you can read like she has a baby with him she's like literally living like the typical housewife life she tries to tell him that no she's not just his but like at the end of the day they look like any other married couple yeah but going back to what you said about fantasy because not not that we can't talk about akane and narumi that's his name Uh, i think it's it's pronounced naruto (laughs) shut up narumi but like the fantasy of um noriko and mugi is really also very interesting. I think they played that out beautifully in this anime because mm-hmm. at the beginning of it, like you see Noriko, she's like this little princess character, seems like a lolly, like has this huge, like you know that she's living this fantasy. You can see it, especially when they, she's like, I want to be a princess. And then she's in a regular Japanese home with her dad who doesn't look anything like some English guy, <laughs> like a lot of other shows that like try and give off that character. Like they very, the author very blatantly tells you she is not a princess and she is in a fantasy and i think the i kind of found her annoying until that moment where you realize she knows she's in a fantasy and she's Mm -hmm. forcing it because that's the only way she can continue to like spread her love and like that's her if like spreading her your love is like the whole entire idea of the show and doing it either unhealthy or healthy ways like that's how she spreads her love is by living this fantasy and watching her she doesn't even like the the funny part not funny but like i think what we all kind of wanted to see was her to break right but she doesn't she knows like the fact that she just knows it's so good it's so good that she doesn't break sorry keep going but like the like the fact that she offers herself to moogie knowing that like just you know women desire men desire women like she knows she can get away with it but like I love the scenes building up to it where, like, she's just like, yeah, I wanted to, like, hey, Mookie, I want to play prince and princess. And he's like, well, I want to be a samurai and I want to live in, like, this really classic Japanese castle of some sort. And she's like, but no, you have to be my prince. And, like, just seeing that she, I don't know, it's just so amazing. I, it's, uh, it's so hard to, like, depict it. But you just have so much more respect for her and like the way that she's she's very much the I kind of see her as I don't know a foil to um Hanabi but I think she's kind of a foil in the sense of how she deals with the rejection in the end too like she does it in a lot healthier of a way there's a there's a moment in like the later part of the se- season when they're at like the culture festival and Hanabi sees her on the pedestal wearing like this princess gown 
mm-hmm. and I forget exactly what happens, but I think that was the moment where you're like, oh wow, like just seeing how their differences of how they handle handle themselves, it's just so interesting, and it almost like originally you think like Noriko's like this annoying character, but she's almost like the strongest character in this entire Absolutely. series. Yep. Yep. And it's just so, it's so like I don't know, it's just so exciting in a way, um, to see something like that. This is why, listeners, you need to go watch Scum's Wish right now if you've not already done so. It's it's just really, it it actually like takes anime tropes and and really just humanizes them. Um, that's that's something I love so much about this character, is that she, it it would be so easy to just make this series and then just have her as this sort of almost comic relief character that also just this functions as a as a very like pie in the sky like foil to cynical hanabi she's just you know an airhead and really doesn't um her her function is is just like as as this sort of stock character um and it, it would it would have worked fine for the purposes of of this show but just the the to to actually unpack this character and and show that she's self-aware is just i i don't know it just it does so much for the trope itself and it just does so much for i think the genre to be able to just to humanize that for once like there's so many characters like this that just never get humanized in other series um but just to just to be able to show that and to be like you can um embody this and still have like a real human logic behind it um and it's obviously on the face of it it's still ridiculous it's still fantastical and it's still escapist and it's still like nothing good can come of it um but it does a really good job of of sort of parodying and um almost mocking the happy sugar life happy sugar life and just in general the ways that other more as quote more normal um uh romantic uh trajectories end up working that like the the fact that that she has this logic behind it it makes a lot of sense um it just looks ridiculous on the face of it uh, when you apply that same sort of logic to the way that other traditional romantic tropes function and like amongst main characters who come across as very reasonable and perhaps a little bit calculating but again oh they have an explanation for it so it all makes sense that they go to these great lengths to do all these romantic gestures the point is being a princess isn't any less crazy than than these um uh than these more like socially acceptable methods of of showing your love and um and acting it out um that's what that's like one of the most powerful things i think is about this show and about this character in particular she's amazing i i just can't get over it but i also i mean all the characters in themselves are amazing like we haven't even talked about echan and like we've barely talked about the main characters at what do you mean? I mean, we haven't talked about them to the same extent as as the other ones. 
making our way up to the main dish. Duh. Oh, right. All, okay, I didn't expect to talk that long about the teachers, but like, it's interesting though. Like, it took my second run through with it. Um, with the series when I was watching it with a friend, we had both just been heartbroken and like, it felt so like it feels so dirty to watch, but it feels so good to know that you're not like alone, and the like just the feelings that they all have are like, I guess also, um, the sense of using someone is something that I think nobody wants to do. Um, that sense of like taking advantage of their feelings. But the feeling you get when someone says they like you is just so, like, it feels too good. It's, I know, like, like, it feels really good to have someone like you, which is also why it's very easy to get upset when they've started liking someone else. Mm-hmm. Whether that be someone that you liked back or not. Um, because you kind of question, like, how much did you actually care about me if you're already over that other person, right? And I think the way that, like, I think it's interesting that Echan was Hanabi's user? No. Hanabi was... I think it's... Yeah, that way around. Um, I mean, they could have easily... I don't know, made it more so that Mugi was the one that she was using. And, like, I mean, she was using Mugi in a way. But then again, like, that comes to that mutual agreement that they're using each other, right? Whereas, mm-hmm. like, Sanat Or Echan is, like, in it to win it. Like, she wants Hanabi to stop being with Mugi. She wants Hanabi to start loving her. She doesn't care. She's accepting all of Hanabi, which is, like, what everybody wants. And, like, at the end of the day, you want someone who will accept all of you. And then again, we're just shown that that's not enough all the time. Yeah. Like, it's not enough to just want to be with someone. It's not enough to care for them to, like, some really huge extent. Like, at the end of the day, they need to want you back. And, like, Hanabi does need... Echan, but not in the way that Echan wants. Not in the way of like loving her back the way she wants. Not, not in the way of like having all the same feelings back. It's she's using her as an escape from her, or like not an escape, but another release of her love, of spreading it. It's mm-hmm. another spread. And it's almost like, honestly, after like kind of like breaking it down. The Echan Hanabi relationship is kind of sadly one of the weaker relationships in this show. After talking about it, like I thought it used to be Akane and Narumi, but like there's some there's some not said things over on that side of their little agreement over there. Yeah. But like it's almost because Echan was just so honest with Hanabi. Like everything mm-hmm. was unraveled. We know everything about pretty much their entire relationship. That it. It's almost boring because it's Oh, yeah. It's the the only like honestly the most interesting part about it was that they were both girls. Mhm. Other than that, it's stereotypical wow, stereotypical what was that? Stereotypical person likes person and the other person doesn't like them back. Well, as a resident Yuri fan, would you say that it's stereotypical of Yuri relationships? I mean, as our resident Yuri fan, I think that usually when you're going into a Yuri, you're expecting actual Yuri, and this was not the <laughs> Yuri that we wanted. We wanted a happy... I mean, like, Endgame, I think that Echan and Hanabi, no. Hanabi x Noriko? Yes. Oh, I think that would be a fun relationship, because they're just so passionate towards each other. Like, there's more of a spark there than her and Echan, because Echan just gives her the world, and like, 
there's almost a part of you that doesn't want someone to give you the world. You want them to challenge you. Yeah. And Noriko challenges her. I mean, this is me, like, pulling straws. But, like, I don't want Hanabi with Mugi. No. And I'm glad they didn't end up together. Oh, that was the best. That the was, fact that, that they, like, kind of went their own brutal. way was fantastic. Yeah. It made the entire show purely about them using each other. And that was just literally their scum's wish. Like, yeah. it's such a perfect title. And the show just goes so well. So since we're already on the topic of them, I guess we can dissect these two also. Mm-hmm. And what they've done. Like, uh, talking about just, just Mugi alone, because he has like a few different relationships that we can look at, right? So he has Mugi with his senpai, who taught him about sex. Mugi and Noriko, who's like the, ch- the cliche childhood best friend trope. And then... Mugi with Hanabi and also Mugi with Akane. Yep. He almost he has the most he has the most like branches out, I feel like, too. He's got actually. a lot. Yeah. He's got a lot of um different options. I don't know. Like when I was watching I remember watching it and I always a little bit wondered if Mugi like I know that there's the whole stereotype that boys are just like, oh my god, sex is yeah yeah yeah. But like I don't know. I feel like after the first time you've had it is when you really start craving it more. So I wonder, like, if he hadn't been with the senpai earlier, would he have, like, do you think he and Hanabi would have pushed to have sex with each other? I mean, I think it was important for the show. But, like, if he was also as innocent, kind of, as Hanabi going into it, would they have had the sex and then the sex? (laughs) Would they have had sex? (laughs) I mean, but they also wouldn't have connected as much because I feel like the per- like when you have sex with someone, like that's an intimate relationship in a way too, of whole different levels. I don't know. I I would disagree with that a, a bit. I I don't think there is. Yeah, I think when um, what's the name of the senpai? I'm trying uh, to find it. Doesn't um May. May. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. What easy. did you say? Uh. That his his no. What name were you going to say? (laughs) I was. You said it was Nay, right? I said it was May M E I May. But you were about to say another name. I want to know what name you were going to say. I was not going to say another name. I don't know what you're saying. No, I thought you were going to say another name. My bad. Okay. What? I was going to what hassle you for it. Ah, yeah. Nice try. You'll get me next time. Oh, um, wrong. Hanabi he, also has four different relationships, too. More like five. Four. Four. Never mind, keep going. Uh, so he, uh, with May, he is definitely innocent, and she kind of gets to him at, like, a very impressionable time when he's not totally confident with himself. So I could see why that would be that could be read as him as like him getting like quote broken in and then that gives him the confidence to deal with Mugi or sorry deal with Hanabi more sexually and like be more of an instigator that way and I think there is some truth to that but I I think that I don't think it's necessarily true that he would be hesitant otherwise um because i mean for may i don't think there's anything 
really intimate about the sex. I think there are a lot of, I think part of this is like for her and for, um, for Akane, especially sex is this thing that's very enjoyable without commitment, without it being this really, without it being this thing that attaches you to someone or that, that like creates sparks with someone. Like, yeah, obviously you need a certain level of comfort with someone to enjoy it, but I don't think it's it necessarily means that there's like this even intimate connection. So I think with I'm I'm willing to take Moogie at face value in that sense that I think he is able to get sexual like I think he's he's able to distinguish I'm guessing he and Hanabi are able to keep their horniness separate from from developing into a closer relationship with each other. I disagree for Hanabi at least. I think I think that Mugi maybe could. I mean, he already does know Akane's true nature and so like even having sex with her, he knows he's just one of more guys. But I think for yeah. Hanabi, sex is definitely more than just sex. Like I think it's still a huge thing that she thinks is a, as a connection. I think that's what really connects her to Mugi and if she didn't think that she wouldn't have had she would have had sex with that random guy named Takuya, I guess, that the teacher mm-hmm. like used to tutor or whatever. Like when she's kind of playing around with him, she would have had sex with him. No questions asked. Like if she didn't if she was just there for like pleasure, she would have had sex with him. But like the fact that with Mugi, I think it's that's one of their biggest connecting points for her is like that they do have sex and I think that the reason why she can even have sex with Echon is because they're close friends. And, like, I think part of her wants... I think part of her doesn't want to say no because, in a way, it's helping her, too, by feeling needed, which is mm-hmm. something that she also wants. Like, I think the need of Mugi is a lot different from Echon in the sense that Echon needs her to be her, but Mugi needs her to be Akane. Um, right. But I still think I disagree very hard, and I think I'm more in the Hanabi troop too. Of that, sex is sex is an important bonding thing. Not everyone might agree, but I think at least for Hanabi, and I know for myself that sex is something that you only truly do with someone that like you really care about or someone that you're really connected to. And yeah, she does it with like she doesn't necessarily do it with quote unquote someone she's in love with, but. At the same time, like, the first time they're doing things at two, like, she's picturing Onichi, or Narumi. Mm-hmm. So I totally disagree on that. Yeah, for, I guess for, for, for Hanabi specifically, I, I concede your argument there. But I think that that also kind of just brings up a general point about just how, just, I, I, it sounds really basic to say, but just how different people are, <laughs> I guess in experiencing quote unquote love. Um, and I think something Scum's Wish does really well that you don't have to do a, a really cr- close critical analysis of it to understand is, is just that there are just irreconcilable differences in the ways that people experience love and lust. Um, and that's, I think, just a, a very serious source of that's like those i think this the primary source of conflict in the show it's not i think 
something that it represents really well is 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 to say no there isn't some sort of pure love that gets glorified in in so many other rom-coms or rom-droms that you watch um it's that even if you even if you strip away like the 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 traumatic backstories and and the 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 way the differences and the ways that people are raised and the heartbreak and et cetera, et cetera. Even if you strip that all away, at least in the context of the show, there's still going to be uh, very fundamental differences in how people experience intimacy and by extension a concept of love that um, that just really it, it cannot resolve in a way where you can say, I want this person um, and I'm going to get them. And that's just, I think, a really important thing to just push back, push back against in general is, um, and, and particularly for, for young men, being able to communicate to them that just because you love someone a lot doesn't mean that they're ever going to love you back. Um, nor that you are even remotely compatible with them. Like it's, uh, it's too often the narrative comes through that um, love, like anything, if you, if you work hard enough, then it will, it will work for you. Um, Hanabi and, and Mugi um, both subscribe to that, I think at the beginning and also are, um, kind of cynical about their own inadequacy in fulfilling that. Um, they're saying, I, we have these visions of this is who I want, we're going to go for it. But then they're also like, we're not doing it very well, we're doing a bad job. Um, and so in the meantime, we're going to look for other ways of, of filling the hole. Um, so long story short, I think it, it's also just important to highlight that that the resolution there, I, I really don't think there's like even the resolution of Akane and, and Narumi is only happens. And I think, I think you were really right in pointing this out in, in that it's, it's kind of because Narumi is, is trying to find a mom and it's it's not coming from a, a really a really genuine place of appreciating Akane as a person um, and understanding her. Um, so I don't think there's yeah. Long story short, there's irreconcilable differences, and I like the way that it's expressed here. And it it just it, it, I think it blows open the conception of love without doing a a. Um, uniformly cynical destruction of the term like it, it allows for its possibilities but it also shows its limits in various ways i agree but sorry from your statement i just got refreshed about orange again like the idea of no matter how hard you try you get the person that you love yeah and like, almost in that way, the show, like, actually kind of depicts that because you have Sua, who's in love with Naho, who's in love with Naruse, Naruse or Kekaru. And, like, the only reason why Sua 
is with Naho is because um, Kakeru kills himself. Like, he worked so hard, he happened to be there when she was down. And then in the show, they try, like, and then you have this entire, like, rest of the show where you watch as Suwa sacrifices his entire future for Naho to be with Kakeru and, like, knows in another life he's with her. But then it's almost like, I don't know, it's, my frustration with it is not so much the love triangle. I think the love triangle is what makes it interesting. I just, I guess I feel more for the character that, like, Sua is a character of trying so hard to get the attention of Nahu, who's also, like, trying really hard to be with Kakeru, who Kakeru is, like, a little bitch the entire show. And just whiny, and, like, I get it, you lost your mom. I'm sorry that you lost your mom. I know that that's a really hard thing, but, like, you gotta, you gotta move on. And, like, Nahu just babies him, and I guess, like, Sua babies her in a way, but not exactly in the same way that she babies, like, again, replacement of a mother figure, pretty much. Where, like, Sua feels like he has to pick up Naho's pieces that Kakeru can't pick up because he's too focused on himself. And, like, I guess that's just my frustration with that show. And, like, no matter how hard he tries, Sua never gets the happy ending that he deserves. <laughs> even in the movie, which is the oh. most frustrating part. Yeah. Ugh. I don't know. There's... I feel like we've just kind of ripped on love more so than anything, than, like, talked about the fun aspects of it. Um, well, you know, I think that it's um, perhaps in our next episode, I think there's a bit more room to talk about some more positive aspects. Um, I would also say that I think it's important to, I don't know, like, how do you talk about love in the positive sense? Of like, oh, the ways we think about love are great and good, and the anime that reflect them. Like, there's a reason we're talking about anime that 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 uh, critique them. Um, you know, I don't think it'd be a very inf- interesting conversation to say, like, hegemonic love is great, cool, but let's celebrate it. At the same time, though, there's. I mean, you don't even have to talk about, like, the amazing parts of love, because I feel like if you know what love is, you can, for yourself, obviously, everyone has a different thoughts of it, but, like, instead, talk about, like, the positive, positive relationships you've seen in anime that depict what healthy love could be, because, I mean, there's definitely a difference between healthy and unhealthy love, mm-hmm. happy sugar life, um, but I know I just told you that you should watch um, Bunny Girl Senpai, and the main character in that, even though he's kind of in the middle of a harem and my senpai, are like honestly one of the most healthiest relationships I've seen in anime. And it is thrilling, the fact that he's so devoted, trustworthy. They like communicate. They're like everything that what a relationship should be and like not the shallowness of some of the other relationships you see in anime such as, well, Okay, like, My Love Story. Not saying it's a bad show, it's just it uses the plot points of trying to get to know somebody better in a relationship as what drives the storyline. So, like, them communicating, them understanding each other, them having their first kiss. Like, it's all cute, lovey-dovey, and all that. And, like, I think you need shows that are, like, Scum's Wish to tell you that every love story isn't going to be that fluffy, romantic My Love Story stuff. Mm -hmm. But... At the same time, I think we should also acknowledge the good shows that show us, like, a good relationship between characters that aren't just, like, a harem series like To Love Rue, where 
I think we're up to 12 girls now in love with the same guy. Ooh, wow. So I do have to admit, I think it's fantastic that one of them is actually aiming for the harem ending with him. And like, <laughs> not like all the other characters that are like fantasizing about the one guy being just theirs. I think that's a little bit different. I think it's fun. But 12 is ridiculous. So I think this would probably be a good place to cut off our episode for today. I think, well, for our next episode, we are going to continue talking about love because there's so much to talk about, if you couldn't tell. Um, The next episode, we could probably talk a little bit more about uh, Bunny Girl Senpai. Um, I don't think you really threw out any spoilers at this point. Um, but I think there's definitely some opportunities because I think you're right. I think it is a good idea to talk about positive examples of love in anime. I think that's, you made a good point about that. Um, and I think we'll have the opportunity to do so in our next episode. Because we've already been going for over an hour and a half. Teehee. Um, um, so we, we impose this sort of self regulating rule on ourselves to kind of keep us on topic because we're both somewhat notorious for going on tangents when we start going down the the bunny girl hole wow that's horrible um the rabbit hole i was gonna you know i, was, you I don't know, forgive you for that rabbit, one i feel like girl. that yeah, should that was, stay but that was bad yeah that was absolutely vile um but so basically whoever goes on the longer tangent has to do a punishment game so Feon, uh you know who was worse today the tangents honestly i, know I didn't you, even you think that couple. we tangented what <laughs> i didn't think we tangented that bad i don't know i feel like talking about to love rue was kind of a tangent wow just because i added it at the end yeah that's just rude counts. no that was like, pri- like, oh my god. But it was still within the context of understanding shows that have bad descriptions of what love is. Mm, kind of. You just want me to play the punishment game. I kind of do just want you to play the punishment game. I think I should win just for having better transitions than you because you never transitioned. Hey, you're on a roll. But fine, you know what? Fair enough. I'll, play your- I'll do the punishment game. What have you got for me? Ladies and gentlemen, what we have today <laughs> is listening to a review said by the other person that they chose of a show that you enjoy and having to agree with everything said in the review, even if you don't like it. What we have today is a really fun, well-written review of Shamurai Shampoo. Wait, what, what was that called? Isn't it Shamurai Shampoo? Shampoo. I don't know. <laughs> I've never seen it. Samurai. <laughs> God damn it. Stop it. Samurai. Sam. <laughs> Double S. Okay. I'm. We've been talking for a long time. We have. It's true. Samurai Champloo. Yikes. Is that right? Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Trying to at least like. This was a really long review. And I don't know enough about the show to actually. um, Note most of it. But. Let's see. The ones that I liked the most, at least out of this, were one of the critiques was that the setting didn't actually have to be at all in the Meiji era or whatever era it was in. It could have been 
and I quote from Play 2X review on my anime list. Um, I never felt like Wananabe made much use of it being the, I think it was the Meiji era he tried to be in. He's like, it might as well have been the Renaissance era, Europe, or in space. Or in what? medieval America, or parts unknown. Mm. It wouldn't make any difference to the story, except that the samurai being a knight, panther, warrior, astronaut, or whatever. Yeah, because the samurai is basically... Hey, you have to agree. Mm. Okay, summarizing it, it didn't matter what era this was in, because if they changed the location and what exactly the samurai was, this story could have been just the same. I agree. Yep. That's right. <laughs> it pains you so. Um, number two, execution. There was no time spent developing the characters in the story. Instead, it focused on the differences between the time depicted and our own time, which he describes as being better, referencing to the newer time. Mm, I don't even understand that, but I agree. <laughs> I think it was just trying to say, like, the characters were never developed in the series. They were all kind of flat. Mm. And then on top of them being flat, he tried to say, like, hey, back in this day wasn't as cool as it is now. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yep, and then, here's the real ringer because Dodo loves music. The background mm. music in OST got a 0 out of 3. Mm. Um, to be fair... This reviewer is not a fan of hip-hop, but... Oh, that makes it all better, then. <laughs> to put simply, I felt like watching an anime while at the same time having a random hip-hop CD in my CD player. The music and the pictures were never in sync. At least that's what I felt like. Especially at, at the fighting scenes, the, the background first. music used felt really misplaced. Nah. And he... then... <laughs> what? I agree. <laughs> and then um as mentioned earlier hip-hop and meiji are valuable unfortunately i seriously seriously dislike the opening battle cry so much that at some point i started skipping it even um however even though it's not my taste i feel like it fits the anime well at least they're a little bit nice i agree so yeah there you go. Thank you for Dodo completely <laughs> Dodo completely agrees with Play 2 X's review on Samurai Champloo. Hey, just just remember that that I fell on the sword for you this time. Okay, but like we didn't tangent as hard as <laughs> I thought we might. That's true. We actually we kept it kept it locked in pretty well. Like there was one point where you totally stumbled and you're like trying to catch yourself being like and on the point of like the show still and I was like, mm-hmm, I saw that, Veer. <laughs> yeah. But for more fun things like this, it'd also be fun if you guys wanted to suggest shows from our own list. Um, I know that Dodo and I are also biased because there's a good amount of shows that we both like, and it's hard to read reviews for shows we don't like. But if we had to, or maybe even the next time if we don't tangent at all, we'll play a punishment game of both of us having to agree on a show that we likes bad review like the bunch on scum's wish on myanimelist.com yeah that's a good idea that just is how we, you get us both flaming just just double the amount of pain mm -hmm. 
If you're curious about our favorite shows, they are on our About page on our website. So if you want to give us more pain, don't feel free to suggest some good reviews that we have to read. This one was a fun one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, All right, let's wrap it up. Thank you for listening to Applied Anime. Hope you stay tuned for the next issue where we continue our talk about what is love. Hopefully not going as dark, but just as deep. This is Fayon and Dodo Ballet signing off. ま、ま、汗ひかくが、なおさらいとしくさせたう。わがままな汗ひかくが、なおさらいとしくさせたう。ま、ま、汗ひかくが、なおさらいとしくさせたう。ま、ま、汗ひかくが、なおさらいとし